Housing Affordability FOMO. Let's have a look. Hello everyone, I'm Florian Heiser and welcome to another episode of Heiser Says. I've got my stein of coffee and I thought we'd have a look at this article from realestate.com.au. We all have to be worried guys. Housing affordability has hit a low. Quick, rush out there, get that huge mortgage and buy that house right now. We've got to do it because the real estate and the Daily Telegraph tells us to. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to... Hey. So let's, let's have a look at this. Let's have a look at this. So housing affordability in Australia has slumped. Well, housing affordability has been terrible for quite a while, particularly in glorious Sydney and Melbourne. And oh, it's an ANZ CoreLogic report. Wow. Housing affordability has taken a shock hit, falling to levels not seen in six years. However, all is not lost for prospective buyers and renters. There's hope. According to a report by ANZ Bank and property data company CoreLogic, housing affordability peaked nationally in June earlier this year and is now slipping to levels seen during the last housing boom. Do you think, before I go on, do you think they'll make any mention in supply issues in stock? What do you reckon? Maybe, maybe. The research found home value slipped 8.4% nationally from the peak in 2017 to the trough in June. I mean, did we have, was was housing still affordable in June? Was it at all affordable in June? Guys, so let, let me know if you think it was to the average person. Maybe just, you know, with my Queensland thinking, I, yeah, yep. But the state of play has changed dramatically since then. National dwelling values were found to be 6.5 times greater than the household incomes in June. This is the lowest level since December 2013. Although affordability has improved following a downturn in housing values, June 2019 marked a turning point as dwelling values again began to outpace household incomes across capital cities, with the ex exceptions of Perth and Darwin, senior ANZ economist Felicity Emmett said. Well, let's just have a look here. We've got wage growth, and I looked at this a few days ago. And I mean, we can see here, this is the wage price index. And you can see growth has dropped down to 2.2%. And look at just the differences between the public and private sector, red being the public sector and purple being the private sector. There is definitely a misalignment between those two markets. I mean, wage growth has been pretty bad since 2014. Have a look over here. You know, look at the trend. Guys, if we run a line through there. Yeah, it's trending down as well. So we're definitely below below average, below trend. And you know, a lot of it, a lot of these recent gains in wages, wage growth has come from the public sector. So if you want to have a look at that video, the wage growth slipping one, I will just link to that here and I'll write down the time. So I remember, you'd be surprised guys how hard it is to uh, put those little cards up. It's, it's actually, they're really handy. I appreciate them when I'm watching stuff, but they're a bit of a pain to, to remember. So cut me some slack if I forget. The rebound in prices is being driven by a number of factors, including record low interest rates, easier access to credit, and more, most, more certainly around tax arrangements or more certainty. What about the reduction in supply? The reduced supply levels? 
WhatsApp mentioned. Surprise suburbs struggle with affordability. Sydney again leads the way as Australia's capital for housing unaffordability with Kuringa, Pittwater, Dural's Wiseman's Ferry rated as the top three least affordable suburbs in the country on a dwelling price to income relation. Melbourne's Manning West came in as the fourth most affordability challenged Australian suburb, followed by Manly in Sydney, just ahead of Perth's Cotslow Claremont or Claremont. Bribey Beachmere in Bris is Brisbane's most unaffordable suburb. Really? So Penrith is Sydney's most affordable suburb. I mean there you go, you get a nice little little specky duplex, guys. Um to be honest, just with the amount of work I've got to do on my yard, how horrific it's looking and the maintenance, it's looking real appealing right now. I'd like it all concrete, but yeah. In Adelaide, Burnside has the dubious honour. In Hobart, Inner Hobart leads the way. In Darwin, it is Litchfield. In Canberra, Weldon Valley was found to be the nation's capital's least affordable suburb. The research also found that in the majority of Australian suburbs, it is far more affordable to rent than to buy. Well, there is the age-old question, guys. Should one rent or should one buy? There's the thing. I mean, they're, they're, remember, guys, property always goes up. Property always goes up, you know, and, and uh, rent money is dead money. But a lot of very smart people just rent. A lot of very smart people just rent. It means you don't have to pay the rates. The maintenance is not your problem. Because when you buy a house, you've always got to sink, you know, yearly money into it to maintain it. When you buy a fixer-upper like I do, you have to sink a lot of money into it. And we're really doing it uh, at a piecemeal basis. You know, it's just a, the latest job was painting, repainting the uh, the all enclosed deck that we use for me in a schoolroom, and I discovered a whole wealth of lead paint and had to, you know, remove that and looked at all the different methods. Uh, but it looks it's looking nice now. It's looking nice. So we'll see next. Next it'll probably be some external cladding I have to remove and replace with a more modern uh, timber. So when you buy a hundred year old house you can't get the same timber anymore but back to this back to this it's just showing you how much maintenance costs there are with houses guys were any of you surprised with how much maintenance was required one of the advantages in my house is that i can you know maintain a lot of the issues myself or we can repair and replace things ourselves because it's usually solid timber and you know the old wood moves a lot without drying ground whereas the new stuff with the styrofoam not so confident. So sources of housing stress. The REA Group Chief Economist, Nerida Coinsby, said the report highlighted the continued challenge of addressing housing affordability for both prospective buyers and governments at state and federal level. Well, see, this is the problem. We have become, our economy has become addicted to housing. To housing. Majority of Australians' wealth is in housing, 57%. And if we jump over here, we can have a look. This is a report written, an article written by the ABC, and I'll link to it below. But housing now makes up 57% of Australia's wealth, with 42% coming from family homes and 15% from investment properties. Super now accounts for 18% of wealth, and the average household balance has grown to $213,700. And this is from the latest uh, report from the ABS, the Household Income and Wealth 2017. 2018 report so i mean that shows you a reduction in housing prices is going to have widespread effects psychologically too 
The definition of housing stress is that more than 30% of income is paying for rent or mortgage. And in most of our capital cities, this is the case, she said. We need to look at why Australia is in the position of having some of the most expensive housing in the world that also comes up in recent demographic surveys into international housing affordability. Well, I would hazard one theory, and that's this one here from the Foreign Investment Review Board. The black line shows you the proportion of building approvals, of residential building approvals relative to foreign investment. It was over 90% between 15 and 16 over 90%. And we also, here is a quote that uh, one of my favorites that I will bring up. This is from Matt Berry. In 2016, 67% of the GDP growth in Australia came from the cities of Sydney and Melbourne, the growth. So both state and federal governments have done everything they can to fuel a runaway housing market. The small area from Sydney's CBD to Macquarie Park is in the middle of an apartment building frenzy alone contributing 24% to the country's entire GDP growth for 2016, according to SGS Economics and Planning. Now, just think about that, guys. A quarter of the growth in the year was just in one strip in Sydney. Okay, that's where the great wealth of the nation is going. And that will have an impact on housing affordability. All the foreign investment driving everything up all the money coming in i remember talking to uh, clients about potential projects where they were completely dependent on chinese money so we need to look at why australia's i've read that we need to look at what at the drivers of why australia's in this position well i've just put two arguments forward in a city like hobart we haven't built enough housing sydney is the same the concentration of employment is also an issue. Housing is expensive in the capital cities where the jobs are. It is not in regional areas, but it's harder to get a job there. Ms. Cornesby said factors driving down house prices could make the situation for the average Australian even worse. You could wish for a big price drop because that will be bad news for other reasons such as rising unemployment. Well, we are having rising unemployment. No one wants cheaper housing if that means they are unemployed. Good news on housing affordability. The fear of missing out, which characterized large parts, parts of our last housing boom, wow, they mentioned it, appears to be returning to the market. Okay, they think FOMO is good. They think FOMO is good. Well, you see it here in print, guys. Not making it up. But there are some positives to the return, which CoreLogic's head of research, Tim Lawless, points out. We see more urgency coming back into the market, especially in Melbourne and Sydney, where housing values have risen 6% and 5.3% since May, he said. If this trend continues, we could see property prices reach new heights early next year. However, there's still some good news for prospective buyers and renters. The research shows households are now dedicating the smallest proportion of their income towards paying a new mortgage since early 2004, and renters are spending the lowest proportion of their income on accommodation since 2007. Wow, I'm sure the people investing in all these apartments and expecting nice rental returns are happy with that. And we had a, a comment was left the other day about a, a viewer and she manages a business which acts as an intermediary between people renting and renters and 
business is booming because people are leaving agents where they don't get very good service and costs. Why is that? Well, you still have to pay that mortgage on that investment property, guys. This year, we can also we have also seen an increase in the number of areas where it is cheaper to buy than rent, which can be attributed to the lowest interest rate since the 1950s, together with lower house prices relative to the market peak. I mean, okay, it sounds, he's talking about housing affordability issue, and now he's saying lower house prices, because it's all framed against the peak. So let's have a look here, and this is an article on housing affordability, and we'll just bring this up, the median measure based on survey data, you know, the average measure, the dwelling price to income ratio. I mean, there you go. Based on survey data, based on national accounts, which one do you think is more accurate? It's over six times. I'll link to this, guys. Uh, so national median house prices in March 1980 to 2016. That's just bloody hell. Bloody hell in 80, the year before I was born. Perth, 40 grand, now 500 grand. 10x. Adelaide, 36, now 445. Brisbane, 34,000, now 480. Melbourne, 40,000, now 730. 13. I'd like to see the wage growth as well for that area, but I will link to this article if you'd like to go through it in greater detail, but it's also referenced in the inflation and housing affordability video I did previously. So guys, thanks for watching. Please like, share, and subscribe. And if you enjoy my content and want to help me produce more, I have a Patreon and a Subscribestar where you can make a small donation. I have Amazon and eBay affiliate links where I receive a commission and it doesn't cost you a cent. I also have PayPal and Ethereum if you want to make a direct donation. Guys, take care. Have a great day and I'll talk to you later. Bye for now.